Good morning, Hope in Christ. I wanted to show that video just an example of what really takes place in our world today, and not only in our world, but in our nation. Uh, we've been studying the life of Daniel, and today we're going to be talking about the eighth test that Daniel faced as a believer. Uh, the title of the series is Unshakable, Thriving No Matter What Hits You, and the Today's sermon is, are you taking a strong public stand for God? Are you taking a strong public stand for God? When you came in this morning, did you get one of these? If you didn't get one of these, inside of it is a listening guide. And we'd love for you to take out the listening guide, fill in the blanks, and uh, follow along and take this home with you. If you need one of these, if you'll raise your hand, the good-looking bald-headed guy will bring one to you. His name is Marvin. Marvelous Marvin. We're thankful for Marvin. Uh, Marvin, thank you for filling up the baptistry and plugging it up last night for us. And We are so blessed at Hope in Christ Fellowship to have so many people who love the Lord and who just volunteer and work tirelessly for the kingdom of God. Can we give God a hand clap of praise for all that He's doing here at Hope in Christ Fellowship? We want to welcome everybody that's here this morning, whether you've been with us for six years or whether this is your first Sunday, welcome, welcome, welcome. We are excited that you're here today. Again, take out your listening guides and we'll just dig in this morning and see what God has to say. Uh, if you've missed any of these messages, again, this is a series and we're in part eight. Uh, Lord willing, next week, uh, part nine should finish up our unshakable sermon series and we'll move on from there. But if you've missed any of these or if you'd like to go back and watch them, they're all on our YouTube channel and uh, also on our Facebook page. So you can go to the Hope in Christ YouTube channel or the Facebook page and watch all of the uh, former sermons in these series. When we first started this series on the book of Daniel, uh, Daniel was a young man. Daniel uh, lived in Jerusalem. Uh, King Nebuchadnezzar had moved in and took over Jerusalem and took 25% of the inhabitants captive back to the nation of Babylon. And David was just a young man. Does anybody remember how old David was when all this took place? 15 years old. He was a teenager. When Daniel was first taken hostage and taken back to Babylon, he was 15 years old. Through this series, we've navigated through the Scriptures. And in today's study, Daniel is actually 82 years old. 82 years old. So Daniel's been on the road for a time, hasn't he? And he's been faithful to God all along the way. Again, uh, unshakable, thriving no matter what they throw at you. We know this, that the world, the world throws a lot of things at us every single day of our life, doesn't he? But we know that we can stand. We have a track record of hero after hero after hero throughout the Bible who always face difficult times, difficult circumstances, and a challenge against their faith. But every time they stood strong in the Lord, they were victorious over anything life threw at them. And we can live that life today. If you believe that, say amen this morning. Amen. We're always victorious in the Lord. Uh, Daniel has survived three kings. He survived three kings. Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar, and now uh, Darius. And he survived two empires, the Babylonian Empire 
and now he is part of the Persian Empire. So today, we're just going to take up where we left off last week or two weeks ago, Daniel chapter 5. If you got your Bibles with you this morning, turn to Daniel chapter 5. We'll begin reading in 29 through 31. Daniel 5, 29 through 31. King Belshazzar promoted Daniel to be the third highest ruler in his kingdom. But that very night, King Belshazzar was killed by Darius the Mede, who took over the kingdom at the age of 62. Let's bow in a word of prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for another Lord's Day. Thank you for a beautiful day. Thank you for a blessed day. Thank you for being such a loving, grace-filled, mercy-filled, loving, heavenly Father. We're thankful for a time that we could gather together today with one another to worship you, to praise you. God, just to lift up our hands to you, to sing praises to you, to pray to you. Father, to make much of you and your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, if it wasn't for you, we wouldn't even be here at all, and we certainly wouldn't be saved and on our way to heaven. But God, we're so thankful for the blessings you pour into our lives day after day after day. And God, you know better than we do, some days are much harder than others. And Father, this world throws a lot at us, especially in the year 2020, the most difficult year that most every person in this room has ever seen in their lifetime. But God, you are faithful. God, you remain faithful. We're here today because of your faithfulness. God, as Jim mentioned in his uh, opening prayer this morning, we pray for eyes to see. We pray for ears to hear. We pray for minds that can comprehend and understand and process what you'll show us today. And we pray most of all for hearts that will be humble, hearts that will surrender themselves to you completely and wholly, and hearts that will obey you. God, receive glory today in all that's said and done. And we pray all this in the mighty name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. So we move into Daniel chapter 6 this morning. Daniel chapter 6. And we find three reasons why all three of these kings have, ta have taken such a liking to Daniel and why they constantly promote him. He's just, from the age of 15, he's just constantly being faced with tests. And every time he passed a test, uh, God continues just to promote him and to promote him and to promote him. And God wants to do that in our lives today in different ways. God wants to, God wants to bless us and encourage us and put, put us in places that we can be heard, in places we can be seen for His honor and His glory. And we always need to know that. We always need to understand that. That if we ever have a voice to speak, we need to use that voice to speak on God's behalf. We need to be sharing the gospel with every person we come into contact with, whether it's in our homes, whether it's in our communities, whether it's in our schools, whether it's at the place of work, whether we're at Walmart or wherever we are, if we have an opportunity to shine, we need to shine for Jesus. Amen? Now, why was Daniel constantly promoted? Well, number one, number one, his professional competence caused him to stand out. These three kings and these two different empires constantly promoted Daniel. And the first reason he kept uh, receiving promotions was his professional competence caused him to stand out. 
Now, it's abundantly clear as we've uh, read through the book of Daniel several times as we're preaching and teaching through the book now, it's abundantly clear that Daniel is a very gifted leader. Do you believe that? Daniel's a very gifted leader. But more than that, Daniel has always been eager to learn. He was always eager to learn. He, he was an ever-learning student. We, we talked about this just a couple of weeks ago. All leaders are learners. And the moment you stop learning, you stop leading. We should always be learning. And the thing that Christians ought to be learning more than anything else is the Word of God. The Word of God. People say, well, I've read the Bible. There's no reason reading it again. Oh, you are so wrong. You are so wrong. The living Word of God can never be fully comprehended this side of heaven. I don't know. This is not a boast. This is not a brag. I don't know how many times I've read through the Bible and, and, and read through many of the books time and time and time again. And at age 53, every time I read through a chapter, every time I read through a book, every time I read the entire Bible, guess what? It's like reading a brand new book all over again. There's more in there than we will ever fully comprehend. We should ever be learning. The Bible says Daniel spent his entire life learning. Daniel was a very serious student of the Word of God, but he was also a student of people, and he was a student of history, and he was a student of culture, and this made him stand out. He was very knowledgeable. He was very wise. The Bible says that he spent his entire life learning, his entire life learning, and as a result, he became wiser and wiser and wiser. Daniel chapter 6, verse 3 I'm sorry, I left that verse out. Daniel so distinguished himself above all others, the other governors and the administrators, by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to put Daniel in charge of the entire kingdom. Think about this. Daniel is not even of Babylonian descent. Daniel is a Jew. He's a foreigner. And he has been so blessed and became so wise in this kingdom, surviving three kings and two kingdoms, the current emperor, the current king, is about to promote him to, to over the entire land of Persia. The Bible tells us that when Darius took over the kingdom, he reorganized it, and here's what he said he was going to do. He said, I'm going to reorganize this entire country into 120 providences and and." And, and I'm going to run it, but I'm going to run it in, by dividing it up. He said, I'm going to put three governors over each of all of these providences, and he chose Daniel to be one of those three governors. Daniel's on his way up. As I said, he's 82 years old. Now look around the room. I don't know that we have any 82-year-olds in the room this morning. Do we have anybody 82 or older? Would you just hold your hand up? Amen. We got one. Praise God. Typically, in the United States of America, when you get into your 80s, you've been retired for about two decades. Daniel's going strong. And not only is he going strong, now he's not just, he's not just waving at people when they walk into Walmart. Daniel is still fit. Daniel is still going forward. Daniel promoted at age 82. Did you know that most Americans work as hard as, as hard as they can, as quick as they can, so they can hurry up and retire? Did you know retirement is not in the Bible? 
Retirement is not in the Bible. I'm reminded not only of Daniel here at age 82, but Caleb. Remember Caleb in the Old Testament? At age 80, he mounts a horse and he says, we're going to take this land for God. We need to refocus. We need to get in the game and we need to stay in the game. Can I get an amen? There's no retirement age when it comes to serving God. Here's what, here's what America needs to learn. When you retire, now you've got time on your hands. And instead of collecting butterflies, you need to be storming the gates of hell and promoting the Lord Jesus Christ. Said all the retirement people. I got one week, amen. It's like, amen. The truth. Amen, it's the truth. So not only was Daniel a wise leader, and not only did Daniel have professional competence, number two, his personal character caused him to stand out. Now, he was very professional. He was very wise. He was very learned. He probably had multiple degrees. But even better than that, Daniel was a good person. Daniel was a man of integrity. His personal character caused him to stand out. He's a man of integrity. He's a man of generosity. He's a man full of humility. He's a man of godliness. He's a man of goodness. He's a man who is kind and he's full of wisdom. In verse 4, chapter 6, when the administrators heard the news, now listen, here, 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 here's the plot beginning to unfold. We're talking about how to take a strong public stand for God. We're talking how that we don't throw our hands up and give up when things get tough and when things get tight. When the administrators heard the news, they tried to find a reason to undermine Daniel in his work and accuse him of misconduct. But they were unable to do so. Standing no matter what life throws at you. They couldn't find anything to say against Daniel. He was honest, reliable, hardworking, and incorruptible. He couldn't be bought. He wasn't for sale. He was never lazy or negligent. Three syllables, those are tough. He was not negligent in any task. No wonder he's constantly being promoted. Professional competence, personal character. Notice, we, we don't know why because the Bible doesn't tell us why, but these administrators, they don't like Daniel. And they certainly don't like him being their boss. Most likely because they're Babylonians or they're Persians. He's a dirty old Jew. Right? You see, racism is nothing new. Racism is as old as time. So they start trying to undermine him. They're trying to take him out. They're trying to take him out. These new administrators have heard that Daniel is going to be over the entire kingdom and they're just not going to have it. They're just not going to have it. They said, we're not going to stand around and let this happen. We're not serving that guy. So they start looking for a way to take him down. But did you notice what the Bible said? The Bible said they couldn't find anything to say against him. 
If somebody put their target on you today, if you became the target of this type of assault, how many of you, just rhetorical question, don't shake your head, don't lift your hand. How many of you this morning, could this be said of you, they couldn't find anything to say against him? They can't find anything to say against her. Regardless of what they throw at her, regardless of what they throw at him, nothing sticks. Wow. Wow. What a reputation. What an amazing definition of character. So he had professional competence. He was a man of character. But then there was a third element. And this third element, I'm going to say, is the most important. His public commitment to God caused him to stand out. He was a man of character. He was competent. He was wise. He was full of integrity. He's, he was a good guy. But above, but above all else, Daniel was known as a man of God. A man of God. When your name is spoken aloud, do people say, oh, yeah, I know him. He's a man of God. Oh, yeah, I know her. She's a man of God. When people hear your name, what's the first thing that comes to their mind? Daniel didn't just have professional competence. He didn't just have impeccable personal character. He had a public commitment to God. He was unashamed. He was unashamed. Daniel is very open and very public with his faith, with his love for God, with his commitment to God. He, he, he prays openly all the time, not to be seen of God, to be, but to be heard by God. He's not afraid. He's not embarrassed. It says in verse 5 that his co-workers are conspiring to get him fired. His co-workers concluded our only chance, now listen to this, the only negative thing they can pin on Daniel in their eyes is he's a man of God. Wow. That's the only bad thing they can say about him. Does this not plug into today's culture? You know, we can be, we can be a competent person, we can be a person of character, but in 2020, the Christian church is under fire. Do you believe that today? Now, should we shrink back and cower back? Or should we take a stand and be unashamed for be unashamed about loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength? Here in verse 5, his co-workers concluded our only chance of finding any grounds to get rid of Daniel will be to find something to accuse in his religious practices. That's all they can find to pin on him. The only leg they had to stand on was Daniel's rock-solid faith. His rock-solid faith. We need leaders like that in America today. And they're few and far between, on either side of the aisle or right down the middle. We need leaders like this in America today. They said, we can't find anything wrong with him. And then they go on to say the officials who wanted Daniel removed from office went to the king. 
And they said, King Darius, live forever. We've convened everyone and we've all agreed that for the next 30 days, everyone should pray to you. Not to God, but King Darius, we think you need to make a decree that everybody in your kingdom for the next 30 days can only pray to you and you alone. And we think that you should issue an edict saying that anyone who disobeys your order by praying to anyone else will be tossed into the pit where your lions are kept. And let's put this decree in writing so that it cannot be altered or repealed according to the laws of the Medes and the Persians. That's exactly what Darius did. Now the law of the Medes and the Persians is very famous in history because once it was written down, nobody could repeal it. Not even the king himself. Whatever the king writes down in signs, that's the way it is, no matter what. So in a moment of weakness and in a moment of ego, oh, oh yeah, yeah, everybody pray to me, the king. Yeah, I'll write that up. I'll sign that. Everybody knows that Daniel is a believer. And they know that he's very open with his love and dedication for God. So how do you think Daniel responds to this test? Well, he had several options. You and I have several options. He could accept the law and kind of fake pray to the king for 30 days. He could do that, couldn't he? Or he could publicly protest. He could organize a peaceful protest in a large city. He could make up some signs and he could go down to the palace and he could march around and stomp around hollering, I won't pray, I won't pray. He could do that, couldn't he? But that wouldn't do any good because he knows the law is permanent. Nothing can be done about the law. It's irreversible. The king likes him really, really well. He could could go to the king privately and he could say, King, come on, man, cut me some slack on this. You know I'm a good guy. Why don't you just look the other way and let me keep practicing what I practice? You know I'm Jewish. You know I worship the one true God. Again, why don't you just look the other way and let me do what I do? Or he could just stop praying altogether for 30. We're just talking about 30 days, right? I mean, compromise a little. You know, you give the devil an inch and he'll take a mile. Somebody might ask, well, what's what's wrong with that? You know, the the law says you can't do it, but but you can break the law and just keep it a secret, couldn't you? Daniel could have done that too. But if he had done that, guess what? His enemies get what they want. His enemies get what they want. They want to embarrass him. They want to call him out on his faith in front of the entire nation. What they wanted was for Daniel to deny his faith. He's the guy who prays in public. He's the guy that prays over his food 
when he's at the restaurant. He leads the opening prayer at local sporting events. He, he heads up the National Day of Prayer in the park, right? He leads prayer at the flagpole on the campus. But then there's another option. Then there's another option. He can just keep praying in public like he's always done it, regardless of the threat, regardless of the circumstances. So which option would you choose if you were in Daniel's shoes? What would you do in 2020 if the law was decreed throughout the United States of America that everybody in America could only pray to the president for the next 30 days. And anybody caught praying to anyone else will be beheaded on public TV. Honestly, what would you do? The easy one? The most convenient one? Or the one that gets you thrown into the lion's den? At this point in history, nobody has been thrown into a lion's den and walked out. I think the big question of this text is this. How far are you as an individual willing to go with your faith in 2020? How far are you willing to go with your faith in 2020? The question of the message is this. Are you taking a strong public stand for God? Now, it's easy to take a strong public stand for God inside the four walls of the church building. That's easy, isn't it? But will you stand strong for God on the job? Will you stand strong for God at school? Will you, will you stand strong for God in the community? Anybody can be a secret disciple. Anybody can be a secret agent Christian. That takes no courage. That takes little faith. But it takes true courage to stand strong for God everywhere under every circumstance. So let's look at what Daniel did here in verse 10. When Daniel learned that the new law had been signed, he went home and he knelt down to pray as usual in his upstairs room with his windows wide open toward Jerusalem. In other words, Daniel is saying, I have nothing to hide. I'm Daniel. Take me or don't take me. Like me or don't like me. But I am who I am. He goes where he's always gone and he prays like he's always prayed every day for years. And this is exactly what his enemies are hoping he'll do. So they follow him to his house and they catch him praying to God and asking God for help and asking God for wisdom and they catch him praising God. Mission accomplished, right? They've caught him. They've nailed him to the wall. My question is this. Why is Daniel not afraid? Why is Daniel not afraid? He knows the law can't be changed. 
He knows that it says if you pray to anyone besides the king, you're going to be thrown into the pit where the lions live. He knows that. Why is he not afraid? Why is he unashamed to stand up and stand out? Why is he unafraid to speak up for God? How and why is Daniel able to do this? Let me give you three reasons this morning. If you want more courage, if you want more courage, and if you want to be more courageous with your faith, you're going to need to do the same things that Daniel did. The first thing Daniel knew was this. This is why Daniel's not afraid. Number one, he remembered that God was faithful in all the, in all the past tests. Remember, this is the eighth test as recorded in the book of Daniel. Seven times previous, God has been an on-time God. Amen? God has been an on-time God. Every single time, Daniel says, Yes, count me in, God. I'm all in. I'm all in. He remembers God took care of me when they said, You have to eat our kind of food, not your kind of food. And he said, Hey, can we just not try eating our food and not tell anybody about it? And then when it appears before the king, what happens? They're healthier than anybody in the kingdom. God was an on-time God. God took care of us when you said we have to bow down and worship the statue of King Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah, we didn't do that either. And you threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace, and guess who was in the furnace when they got there? The Son of God. Yeah, we remember how God has seen us through every test we face. God took care of me when I had to deliver the bad news to King Nebuchadnezzar and interpret the dream and say, listen up, King, you're fixing to lose your mind and be put out to pasture. Pasture. One and the same. God took care of me. God took care of me. When I had to go to the palace and tell King Belshazzar the interpretation of the handwriting on the wall, not only are you going to lose your kingdom tonight, King Belshazzar, you're also going to lose your life. God saw me through that. I'm here today. How many of you all can look back across your life and say every time the world has dealt me a bad hand of cards, I've always had a handful of aces and kings because of God's grace in God's mercy. Amen? How many times has God been faithful to you? The correct answer is every time. Every time. All these tests, every single one of them reminded Daniel that God has been faithful every single time. The second reason he's not afraid, and by the way, this is the secret to courage. If you want courage, write this down. He had a conversation with God three times every day. How many of y'all get most of the way through the week and you think, oh, wow, I've not prayed this week? Anybody besides me ever done that? Just me and Robert and Greg and Beth. All right, I'm, y'all come preach. Can I ask it again? How many of y'all have ever been about halfway through the week and you realize, I've not prayed like I should pray? That's what I thought. At this point, you repent and say, God, I'm sorry I lied to the preacher on Sunday morning. Right? He had a conversation with God three times a day. Remember what the Bible said? The Bible said he knelt down to pray as usual. He prayed three times a day just as he had always done his entire 
life. Now, let me ask you a question based upon this. If you prayed three times a day, every day, for the rest of your life, how much more faith would you have in your life? It'd be off the charts, wouldn't it? It'd be off the charts. If you don't get anything else that I say out of this message today, here's what I want to give you. Here's the whole message in one sentence. You ready? The secret of standing strong is kneeling often. The secret to standing strong is kneeling in prayer to God often. That's a good place for an amen. The more you kneel in prayer, the stronger you're going to stand regardless of what life throws at you. And then there's a third reason. The third reason that kept Daniel from being shaken by all of this is he knew the rewards were greater than any risk. He knew the rewards that God would pour into his life outweighed any risk he would face in being faithful to God. Let me ask you a question. Is it risky breaking the law? Are there any consequences to breaking the law? Does Daniel stand the chance of losing his life if he breaks this law? He's unafraid. He's unafraid because he knows his faith is impeccable. His faith is remarkable. He's a great man of faith. God has never failed him, and God is not going to fail him this time. Listen. This is an important text because the United States of America has been on a downward spiral for many, many, many years now, forsaking the Christian values of which this nation was founded on. And there are already some laws on the books that Christians can't abide by. And mark this down. More are coming. More laws are coming that we can't abide by. And you need to decide today how you're going to stand or how you're not going to stand. What Daniel is doing here is like Peter and the other apostles who emphatically said in the book of Acts, we are going to obey God over man every time. Every time. What Daniel is doing here is called passive civil disobedience. Passive civil disobedience. He says, I can't obey this law. This law is against my conscience. My full allegiance is to Almighty God and God alone. And I can't put anything before my God because my God has told me, Thou shalt have no other gods before you. And Daniel is standing upon God's law and not the king's law. He knew the rewards of doing the right thing were greater than the risk. And he knows that doing wrong will be absolutely devastating. Now listen. Listen closely. Anytime you want to defeat a debilitating fear in your life, here's what you've got to do. You've got to minimize the negative possibilities. You've got to maximize the benefits 
of doing what is right. Let me say that again. When, when it comes to facing fears, when it comes to facing anxiety, when it comes to facing worry, here's what you've got to do. In your own mind, in your own heart, you have to minimize the negative possibilities, the what-ifs, and you have to maximize the benefits of doing the right thing. Doing the right thing is always the right thing to do. Can I get an amen? You take your eyes off of the, well, yeah, but yeah, this could happen, and you know that could happen, or I could lose my job, or I could lose my friends, or I could lose my family, or I could lose my reputation, or I could lose whatever. You minimize the negative possibilities, and you maximize all the benefits. What is it? What is it? It's a declaration of your faith in God. I'm going to serve God no matter what. Could you say that with me on the count of three? When I, now, wait, I won't count to three. Y'all are terrible learners. At the end of three, we'll say it together. And here's what we're going to say. I'm going to stand for God no matter what. One, two, three. I'm going to stand for God no matter what. Do you mean that? Do you believe that? Do you stand upon that? Let me give you a couple of reasons why we have to have that faith and that determination. Number one, Standing for God is a victory over fear. Standing for God is a victory over fear. Every time you stand for God at work, every time you stand for God at school, every time you stand for God in your community, with your neighbor, with your friend, with a family member, you've achieved victory over fear. That's how you defeat fear. I don't have time to get into all this in great detail, but let me just give you a couple of real quick thoughts about fear. You ready? How many people have ever struggled with fear? Let me see your hands. Ever, ever, ever struggled with fear. Let me teach you something about fear. You know what fear is? Fear is just a feeling. Say that. Fear is just a feeling. That's all it is. Fear is just a feeling. Fear is just a feeling, and it cannot last. Fear is just a feeling, and it cannot last. Sometimes you have these feelings particularly negative feelings, and you think you're going to feel this way for the rest of your life, don't you? You think you're going to feel that way the rest of your life. When you're depressed, you think, I'm going to depress my whole life. No, you're not. No, you're not. When you're afraid, you think these thoughts, I'm going to be afraid the rest of my life. No, you're not. No, you're not. When you're grieving, you think, I'm going to grieve the rest of my life. No, you won't. No, you won't. Fear is just a feeling, and it cannot and will not last. Can I get an amen? Emotions, by their very nature, cannot and will not last forever. Let me ask you a question. Does happiness last forever? What's happiness? An emotion. What's fear? An emotion. Happiness doesn't last forever, and fear doesn't last forever. So we have to realize fear is just a feeling, and it can not last. They're just emotions, good emotions, bad emotions. They're temporary. The second thing is this. Fear is uncomfortable, but it's not going to kill you. Okay? Fear is very uncomfortable, but it's not going to kill you. When you're afraid, when you're panicked, you feel like you're going to die. Your heart starts beating out of your chest. You break out into a sweat. You get all dizzy and you think, this is it. This is what's going to take me out. More than guess, guess what? Fear, F-E-A-R, false evidence appearing real. 
false evidence appearing real. Fear, it's an emotion. It cannot last and it cannot kill you. It doesn't matter how you feel. Jesus is real. Amen? Jesus is real. Here's the third one. Fear grows when I give in to it, but it lessens when I move against it. Fear grows when I give in to it, but it lessens when I move against it. Every time you give in to fear, what does it do? It grows and it grows and it grows. It keeps pushing you back further and further and further into a corner. Here's a fact. You can't argue your way out of fear. You cannot argue your way out of fear. There's only one way to win against fear, and that's to move against it. Move against it in faith. Move against it with the spiritual armor on. Move against it with the Word of God, the promises of God. You've got to move against it. Fear doesn't respond to reason. Why? Because it isn't reasonable. Fear isn't reasonable. Fear responds to action. The children of Israel, when when Moses had led them out of Egypt and they came to the Red Sea, they would still be standing there today if they stood and said, well, we'll walk out into the water when it parts, but we're not moving till it parts. What happened? When they stepped into the water, the water parted. What did they do? They faced their fear with faith and water parted. In the book of Acts, chapter 4, verse 29, Lord, you know the threats people make. So help us as your servants to speak your word without fear, taking a strong public stand regardless of what culture says, regardless of what life throws your way, regardless of what your enemies throw your way. Take a strong public stand for God. You've got to declare I'm not going to let fear dominate me. I'm not going to be led by fear. What is that? That's called courage. Courage is, the abs- courage is not the absence of fear. The most courageous people still experience fear, but they move against it. But they move against it. You're only courageous when you do what you're scared to death to do while you're doing it. Fear will paralyze you. Courage will pass you, will push you past your fear. That's courage. Every time you take a stand for God, what are you doing? You're, you're winning victory over fear. You become more confident. You become more confident. You become more courageous. You become a man or a woman of character like Daniel. Number two, standing for God builds my faith and character. Standing for God builds my faith and character. Did you know that faith and character are like muscles? The only way that you can develop muscles is to do what? You've got to put them under stress. Put them under stress. Uh, and, uh, Logan, would you come up and demonstrate for us this morning, sir? You could. That's what weightlifting is all about. You put your muscles under stress, and they have to partially break down. And then when they mend and build back, guess what? They're bigger and they're stronger. And that's what faith has to be dealt with. That's how we deal with faith. The only way you build muscles is to stretch them, to stress them, to put tension on them. Every time you stand up for God, you're building your character, and building your character grows 
your faith. It grows your faith. You become a more godly man, a more godly woman, and it grows your faith. 2 Timothy 1.8 You must never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. With the strength that God gives you, be ready to suffer, if necessary, to share the good news. Number three. Standing for God gives God an opportunity to perform a miracle. How many miracles have you seen lately? For real. How many miracles have you seen lately? How many opportunities have we created with our faith and our stand for God to give God room and space to perform a miracle? See, when you cower in faith, God doesn't perform miracles. Right? Is your life producing the type of faith and the type of character and standing strong and creating an environment for God to perform miracles? Most people in 2020 have never seen a true miracle in their life. It's because they've never put themselves out on a limb where the fruit is. You can't be afraid to rock the boat when Jesus is sitting in the boat. You get that? When Jesus is sitting in the boat, you can dance. It'll be okay. When you stand for God at work, when you stand for God at school, when you stand for God with a neighbor, with a septic, every time you stand for God, you're creating an opportunity for God to perform a miracle. If you're always playing it safe, you'll never see miracles happen in your life. Never. Let's look at what happened because Daniel stood strong for God in public. You ready for the good part? This is the good part. Verse 19. So Daniel prayed... His enemies reported into the king. He's been arrested. He's been thrown into the lion's den. And he's been there all night long. Right? With Lionel Richie playing in the background. All night long. You kids from the 80s, you know what I'm talking about. Daniel chapter 6, verse 19. At the light of first dawn, the king got up and hurried to the pit filled with the lions. Why did King Darius get up at daylight and run to the lion's den? Because he loved Daniel. He's not going there hoping to see a corpse or what's left of a corpse. He knows Daniel, and he knows the man that Daniel is, and he loves Daniel. At the light of the first dawn, the king got up and hurried to the pit filled with the lions. When he got there, he called to Daniel. 
in an anguished voice. Daniel! Serpent of the living God. Has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? See, Darius heard the tales of the three Hebrew children in the furnace. He knows the story. He knows that Daniel's faith is real. And while he's not exactly able to chase after this faith that Daniel has, he, ad he admires it greatly. See, when you take a stand for God, as we'll see here in just a few minutes, we're impacting the lost and dying world around us in a positive way. Now, they may scream hate in the moment, but it's impacting their minds and it's impacting their hearts. And it's preaching to them. The king is legitimately concerned. Look at this. Daniel answered. Somebody ought to shout amen right there. Daniel answered, O king, my God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions, and they have not hurt me at all. Daniel has spent all night long playing, playing, playing what's it, patty cake with the pussycats. That's what I tried to say. What's Daniel done all night long? He's been playing with the pussycats, right? Why? Because God sent an angel to shut the mouths of the lions, and they've not hurt me at all because God knew I've done nothing against him or you, O king. What a man of character. He's not done anything disobedient to God. He's not done anything disobedient to the king. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the pits. Amen. Let's give God a hand clap of praise. That's the God I serve. That's the God you serve. God will take you out of the pit when you get thrown in the pit for standing for Him every time. The Bible says, And the king was overjoyed. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the pit. And when Daniel was lifted out, there was not a single scratch on his body because he had trusted God. It said he came out of the lion's den without a single scratch on his body. Standing God, standing for God is victory over fear. It builds my faith and character. It gives God an opportunity to perform miracles. And number four, it encourages other believers to stand up too. It encourages other believers to stand up. When you stand up for God at work, when you stand up for God on the ball field or wherever you're at, it encourages other believers to do the same. You see, courage is contagious. Say that. Courage is contagious. Philippians chapter 1, verse 14. Because of what I've been through, many Christians 
here have gained confidence and become more bold in telling others about Christ. Paul is saying, because of everything I've gone through, because of everything I've endured, because of everything I've survived, because of my strong public stand for God, many other Christians have gained confidence and become more bold in telling others about Jesus Christ. Number five, it's a powerful example to unbelievers. It's a powerful example to unbelievers. Acts chapter 4, verse 13 When the council saw the boldness of Peter and John, they were amazed since they knew they were just ordinary men. How many ordinary men and women we got in the room this morning? Every one of us. Hate to bust your bubble. We're all ordinary men and women, right? And here's what the council said about Peter and John. They saw their boldness. They saw their courage. They saw them take a strong public stand. And it says they were amazed since they knew that they were just ordinary men but they had been with Jesus. They had been with Jesus. The more time you spend with Jesus, the stronger your faith is going to be. As we go to verse 25, know this. This is the second king that Daniel has led to faith in God. The second king that Daniel has led to faith in God. Look at verse 25. The king Darius sent out this proclamation to every nation, race, and language on earth. You think God ain't capable of reaching this earth for His honor and His glory? He is. Through the most unlikely sources. When we take strong public stands for God, it preaches He said, I decree that the God of Daniel is to be honored and worshiped in every part of my kingdom, for he is the living God. He is the one who endures forever. His kingdom will last all human kingdoms. He goes on to say, he is a God who rescues and saves. He does miracles just as he's rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel continued to be successful during the reign of King Darius, and then in the following reign of Cyrus the Persian. All of us should just rear back and say wow to the top of our lungs. Wow! Daniel's just an ordinary guy who sold out for the cause of Christ. He's leading kings to faith in Almighty God. Here's one more and we're done. Number six. And this is the best one of all. Standing strong for God will be rewarded in eternity. Not only will it be rewarded in eternity, it'll be rewarded for all eternity. Say all. Jesus has promised it. And those rewards are going to last forever and ever and ever and ever. Your fear... is going to last at the most a few minutes when you have these kind of encounters. But the reward for standing strong is going to last forever, forever. When you do the right thing, your fear surrenders, but the rewards goes on for billions and trillions and a gazillion years, unnumbered. That's what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, 
consider yourself blessed if people put you down. Anybody ever been put down because of their faith before? Jesus says you're blessed. Jesus says you're blessed. Consider yourself blessed if people put you down or throw you out or speak lies about you because of me. Notice he doesn't say people put you down and throw you out because you're an idiot. There's a lot of idiots in the world today. Or because you're rude, there's a lot of rude Christians today. Or because you're impulsive, or because you're mean, or because you're obnoxious. Sadly, there's a lot of obnoxious Christians in the world today. And Jesus is not saying you are being talked about or thrown out or ridiculed because you're obnoxious. You're just obnoxious because you're obnoxious. And you need to quit being obnoxious. And no, I don't like that word. Can I get an amen? Christians ought to resemble Jesus more than they resemble anything or anyone else. Can I get an amen? Jesus says, consider yourself blessed if people put you down, throw you out, speak lies about you because of me. If that happens, be happy. Be happy. Wipe the sadness off your face and put on a smile and put on a grin. Amen? If that happens, be happy knowing you will be rewarded greatly. You will be rewarded greatly in heaven. And remember that you're in good company. They did the same thing to all my witnesses before you. Who's he talking about? The Old Testament prophets. Godly people for thousands and thousands of years since Daniel all have been put down for standing firm on moral, ethical, and truth issues. And here's what Jesus says. I'll bless your socks off, and I'll bless your socks off for all eternity when you take a strong public stand for me. So here's a question. Here's the question. Are you standing strong for God in your own life today? And if not, why not? If not, why not? What, what are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? Let's stand together this morning. Michelle, you all come on. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a timely, timely message that we've heard today. There's been many times in the past, but more so today than any other year that I've been alive. You us Christians have such an opportunity to be shining lights in a dark, dying world. And Father, you know every heart of every person in this room today. You know those who are saved and born again and ready to meet you in eternity. And you know those who are lost, dead in their trespasses and sins, and they're on their way to a Christless hell. 
be tormented for all of eternity. But God, you love the world so much that you gave your one and only Son that whoever believes in him will never perish but have everlasting life. God, would you in the next moments awaken every dead heart under the sound of my voice and across this globe today. Awaken their dead hearts. Call them by name. Invite them to be your children. Give them the gifts of faith and repentance. Allow them to call upon Jesus, confess their sins, receive forgiveness, be born into the kingdom of God. Father, those of us who are saved but are facing lots of circumstances in our lives, maybe at home, maybe at school, maybe at work, maybe in the community. God, today is the day that you've told us to stand strong against those fears, move against them, and come to you and ask for strength and guidance and wisdom. And God, I pray these altars will be flooded today with people searching for you and looking for the right answers and the right choices and the courage to stand strong. God, have your way in every heart and every life today. It's in the wonderful, precious name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Just know these altars are open on the left and on the right. Here's what we normally do here at Hope in Christ. If you want to come and pray in the altars, and you want other people to gather around you and help you pray, come to this side over here, and I promise you there'll be people come and pray with you. If you'd like to come and pray and just kind of be left alone and just pray by yourself, Use these altars over here. If you'd like a pastor or someone to pray with you uh, individually, if you'll just come stand in the front here, Pastor Daryl or, or Jeremy or anyone here, one of the deacons will be more than happy to come up and pray with you. Amen? Just be obedient to the Lord.